Thank you. Can you hear me? Is this on? Well, before I get started, I want to invite Gary Mancini up. As you know, it's Palm Sunday today, and he has a brilliant teaching for us on Palm Sunday. So please welcome Gary. I know. Morning. We've uh, in our in our connect group over the last few weeks. I, I was teaching a, a brief series on Passover and what Passover means. Is we're coming into this Passover season when we have Resurrection Sunday next next week. And um, you know, Passover. If you think about it, the first Passover, you'll remember that's when the Lord set up a way to deliver His people. And so what did he have them do? He had them go out and select a lamb and bring that lamb back and sacrifice it and then post it on his doorpost, on their doorpost. And wherever that blood was spread over their doorpost, he, when he sent the angel of death through their community, he protected those that had placed the blood over their doorpost. Remember that? That's Passover. And Passover, in, uh, in Hebrew, in, in the Hebrew calendar... Passover comes in the month of Nisan on the 15th of Nisan. And we're coming into that Passover season right now. Well, in that same, as a part of the Passover feast, which they continued to celebrate year after year after that first Passover, they did that in remembrance of God's deliverance. And so that's on the 15th of Nisan, but on the 10th of Nisan was a very, very special time for them. Because on the 10th of Nisan... Each of the head of the family would go out and they would search for the perfect lamb to bring that perfect lamb home for that sacrifice that they were going to make on Passover. That's the tenth of Nisan. During that last Passover, as Jesus came into Jerusalem, the day that he rode in and they were waving palms, that was the tenth of Nisan. Jesus was the perfect lamb that God had sent into Jerusalem to save the house of Jerusalem. That day of Nisan that we now call Palm Sunday. And I, you know, I don't think any of the people really understood. They didn't know what was going on at that time. He had said he'd be raised again, but they didn't even realize it was him he was talking about. But I believe the Spirit of God came on those people and they started waving their palms when He came in, knowing that this man that's done some miracles, this man of truth, this great prophet, they just wanted to worship what He was and what He was doing. I believe it was all by the Spirit of God. So that's what the 10th of Nisan is today that we're celebrating. And then that perfect Lamb went through the perfect sacrifice and was uh, uh, crucified as that perfect sacrifice, and then was resurrected on Resurrection Sunday. It was all part of God's Passover plan of protection for all of us. That's what we're celebrating today. Amen.
Facebook with the president of Croatia um, sitting next to him, the agnostic president of Croatia, witnessing to him. And I just thought that was brilliant. So I wrote on their Facebook page, you're a long way from the coffee table. <laughs> so that's kind of what ministry development is. I'll help you find your coffee table here at GPC, but that's really such a small part of the life that God has called you to live. And I want to help you find what it is that he's uniquely qualified you for, what aspect of his character that only you can display to the world, and you will have great fulfillment as you minister to other people. So today's message is ministry development on a corporate level, discerning what the Lord is doing with us as a body so that we can be very intentional in our partnership with the Lord and know what our next steps are. We want to be like the sons of Issachar, who understood the times and they knew what they should do next. And so um, I love, I'm kind of a connection person. Connection is a theme that runs all through my life. I see connections in people. I see connections in ministries. My latest adventure of connection, many of you know that um, I'm adopted and I found my birth family. And so um, I feel like I'm a missionary called to that birth family to see them come to know the Lord and just yesterday, I was able, I found another cousin on Ancestry.com that turned out to be a very close relative and learned he was adopted. And then I found a cousin I didn't even know that was his mother and was able to help connect them. So they met for the first time yesterday. So, you know, that's another example of how a gifting, one of your giftings, can just have so many different applications. And I believe that... Um, Churches also have a gift mix and a unique calling. And last year, one of the words that I got for this church was that we were in a season of going from me to we. That, yes, we would continue to discover our own gifts and abilities, but we were going to start to discover a corporate identity and be able to, um, be able to know what to do with that. And just at the beginning of this year, I've noticed different um, things that it feels like the Lord is just very intentionally planning, planting in us. You've probably seen this too. But the theme that I see unfolding since the beginning of the year is that he's very intentionally equipping us for the harvest. If you've noticed all of our messages now, the senior leaders, we will sit around and we'll talk about, you know, what should our next... Um, series B, and we pray about that, and we talk about that, because we love you, and we want to know what the Lord is doing next, but so very often, the Lord also has a completely different agenda, or we think that we're doing one thing, and what he's doing is so much more. The verse that I think of is, many are the plans of a man's heart, but the Lord directs his steps. And I feel like we're in one of those seasons where the Lord is so intentionally um, building us for the harvest. It's just like harvest is everywhere. Now, it also helps that our senior leader has an incredible gift of evangelism. So it's not a huge surprise that as a church body, we also would reflect our senior leader's gifts. He has powerful evangelism gift, and he also has a huge faith gift. 
And so that's in our very DNA, but I feel like the Lord is taking us up a notch in being so intentional um, at growing us. So John started off the year by one of his first messages was how um, very few people share their faith or know how to share their faith. And then Stephanie absolutely infected us with her heart for evangelism. Wasn't she just awesome? Um, And she taught us how to pray for our oikos. The oikos, Greek word meaning your community and your connections. And then John also taught us about the process of evangelism, that there's planting, watering, and reaping. Um, Me and my gift mix, and you'll probably notice this with yourself too that you'll predominantly be a reaper a sower or a water i mean we do all of them and we're called to do all of them but you'll find that you land um kind of on one of the three i'm definitely more of a planting and watering gal um, i've been able to have the privilege of reaping a few and there's no greater thrill and seeing somebody give their life to the Lord right in front of your face. I mean, biggest miracle ever. One of my very favorite reaping stories, though, happened here at GPC when Angela came down to get me to say that there was a Farsi gal out in our lobby who um, had a dream, and I think she needed it interpreted or something. So Angela came and got me. Not that I'm known as the dream interpreter, Um, but somehow she felt nudged to get me. So I went out there, listened to this dream, and it was so clearly a salvation dream. But the cool thing is is that I've been praying for a number of years for our Farsi school and praying very specifically that the Lord would give them dreams and visions. So that was a cool answer to prayer. So um, I interpreted her dream. And because I'm not a gifted reaper, I didn't go and close the deal right there because that was one that you could close the deal right there because the fruit was like ready to fall. Um, Instead, I had her come into the service and John was teaching on something that, you know, new believers normally wouldn't connect with. Um, I don't remember what it was, but, but she was just like locked in and listening to every word, taking it in. But um, then she had to go, but before she went, I just said, um, I did pop the question, as it were, um, and asked if she wanted, I shared the gospel with her and asked her if she wanted to receive the Lord, and she did. I mean, talk about fruit just going plop. Um, and somebody that I'd been praying for, a people group that I've been praying for for a long time. So anyway, you'll notice that you are either a planter, a water, a reaper. We do all of them. Um, but we just, I don't know. And then Jesse um, helped give us a vision for the harvest and encouraged us to lift up our eyes to see the harvest. And something about lifting your eyes, there's something that happens when you lift your eyes and your vision is his vision, he brings provision. Happens every time. And there are resources that we would not experience as a body unless our eyes were fixed on the things that his eyes are fixed on. And I love being part of a body that reaches out all over the world. Um, Pastor John called me this morning, and I bring greetings to you from him. He called to pray for me this morning, and I got to pray for him. 
he was actually sitting on a rooftop overlooking the city, which reminded us both of that passage in Acts 10 where Cornelius was sitting on a rooftop and God gave him incredible revelation um, at that moment. And just, you know, we don't talk about it enough, but pastors John and Mark and Shell are literally discipling the nations in Mexico. Um, John has been involved with a network of pastors for, I don't know, 17 years or something, and has been able to grow them to the point where he's giving a message right now of passing the mantle on to the next generation. And Mark has brought a message of grace to a country that is known for its spirit of religion, where the message that Mark has brought has literally turned that um, church around, and that church is an influencing church in the whole nation, and we get to be a part of that. So that's just another, um, you know, my fruit is your fruit, your fruit is my fruit. So it's just something that we all get to participate in. And next month, I get to go back to Europe, and it's a three-part trip. The first part is to a church in Czech to help connect them to um, some creatives here in San Diego. I believe that there's um, a creative gift mix on that particular church and feel like there needs to be some connections there. The second part of the trip is going to Herrenhut, Germany, which is the ancestral home of Count Zinzendorf, who is the, um, he birthed a prayer movement that lasted 125 years that really was, um, it that's what started the modern mission movement and the Moravians. And that, that part of the trip, I feel like, is just, you know, God blessing me. But he's told me that he's going to speak to me there. And I believe he's going to speak some things to me there about us. And so I'm excited to bring that back. And then the last part is going to a church um, or going to a city in England, Portsmouth, and kind of a weird, every now and then the Lord gives me a weird assignment, and this is one of those, um, to go and pray for divine strategy to eradicate human trafficking in that city. Some of you are going to get weird assignments too. I mean, just me being up here sharing my weird assignment, I know that you are going to get weird assignments if you haven't already. I just know it. And I've been sharing with a couple of you, and I feel like this is for all of us, Um, please put a notepad next to your bed with a pen because something that's happening, I believe, is that the Lord is giving more dreams to people. He's speaking to people through dreams. And you'll know if it's a God dream because it will be, number one, you'll remember it. Um, But there'll just be something a little bit different than the pizza dream. You'll just know that there's a sense that God is in it. And that's something that we should talk about, you know, with our friends here to get help in what does it mean. Um, and the whole area of dream interpretation, it's not just some spiritual gift that only Daniel had. It actually can be learned. It's a skill that can be learned. And, you know, maybe we'll have a set of workshops at some point if that's an interest area of how to do that. But do pay attention to... Um, the dreams that you have, and God will honor it, too, if you put a notepad by your um, bed and write them down before you forget them. So moving right along, Mark taught us about demonstrating the kingdom and taking risks. Um, 
a lot of, I mean, being able to demonstrate the gospel um, through supernatural things I've experienced in my life that people that wouldn't be open to hearing were totally open um, when a prayer got answered for them. So that's just a key that unlocks doors. And John also gave us a message on the role of faith. And I think Stephanie even said, don't discount somebody's decision. Don't make their decision for them. The person that is least likely to come to the Lord might just surprise you. But don't, through your unbelief, um, rob them of the opportunity. The other thing that has been planted in our body is fasting, and this is a huge one. Um, When you fast, a couple things are going to happen, many things, but two things come to mind immediately. Kingdom activity is going to increase. That's just a given. And so we want to start being aware of what's going on around us. We want to tune into the things, because God's moving oftentimes is very subtle, But any time there is even a little bit of hunger in an unbeliever, that's evidence that God is at work. And we want to be people that feed the hunger. Um, The other thing that happens when we fast, um, for me personally, fasting is kind of a bummer, and I'll tell you why. Because all of my junk just comes to the surface. Have you experienced that? that your bad attitudes or the things that you thought you got over a long time ago, suddenly they are in your face. And that's been one of the biggest reasons why um, I haven't loved fasting is because I have to look at all that ugly stuff. But I feel like the Lord is showing me that fasting is actually a spiritual detox. It feels really nasty, but once it's over, it's really good for you, and good things happen, so stick with it. And if you haven't signed up for a fasting spot, um, you know, I challenge you to do that. Even if it's one meal a month, start small, and then try to build on that. And I'm right there with you. I have started small. I think I'm only at um, two days a month or something like that. But I would love to do um, a fast every week. I don't want to be legalistic or religious about it. So, you know, I'm just asking God to show me what fasting in this life is going to look like. So I challenge you to do that for yourself also. So I wanted to throw another tool in our toolbox along with all of those other things, the fasting, praying, um, praying for people, sharing your faith, having faith. The tool that I want to show, um, talk about, well, actually one before I get there, making the point that we are being equipped both individually and corporately to be spiritual hotspots all over San Diego. So we want to be a place where people can connect with God, that where you are, they're automatically they can sense the presence of God. And there are things that will um, hinder our connection. A couple of years ago, I enrolled in an online school with Doug Addison on learning to hear God better. 
he shared how he felt like things were kind of closed down for him at one point in his life, and he asked the Lord about that. Surprisingly, the Lord told him that a key to his not being able to hear the Lord clearly, um, that he needed to stop grumbling. Ouch. So take a look at Philippians 2.14. Do all things without grumbling or disputing. Could we have 15.2 if it's right there? I didn't. Okay, that's okay. Um, Anyway, verse 15 talks about how if we... um, should have memorized this one but that we will be a light in a perverse and crooked generation if we stop our grumbling and disputing. So how, there we go, Um, that you may become blameless and harmless, children of God without fault in the midst of a crooked and perverse generation among whom you shine as lights in the world. Kind of reminds you of that scripture in Matthew too about not hiding your light. And it reminds me also about the scripture in Daniel um, about the people who know their God will shine brightly. Um, But we can actually turn people off with our negativity and our judgmentalism and actually become an obstacle to people coming to know the Lord, which is kind of scary. And I just experienced this in such a, a dramatic fashion. I just met one of my birth cousins Um, a couple weeks ago, and I've been learning about my family through these new relations, and our grandmother was um, a believer, so she said, Um, but grandmother was so negative and whiny and complaining that it totally shut this cousin's heart down to anything spiritual. And so I knew that pretty quickly into meeting her that this is not somebody really ready to have a full-on gospel presentation. This is somebody who's going to take um, a lot of acts of kindness. His kindness leads us to repentance. She's going to take need a lot of kindness for her heart to soften, for the gospel to get in. There, But sometimes Christians have a reputation, we have a reputation um, of being so judgmental that we actually shut people's hearts down to the Lord. And we shut our own connection to the Lord off too. So when Doug had shared this, um, I, I definitely saw that my life needed some work in that area. And so I began to start to be very intentional about not being so negative. Um, I would hide my negativity behind, well, I'm just analytical. Have you ever done that one? You know, you just kind of code it and make it okay. And, you know, huge sin will, um, will cut off our connection with the Lord, but it's the subtle sins like this one the being negative that can be just as devastating and hurtful to our connection. Our lives are our most effective evangelism tool. And so when somebody sees somebody that's positive, um, it, has, it has a winsome um, effect. 
And to be an effective witness, we need to flush negativity from our words and our thoughts. We're either a fragrance or an odor. And negativity stinks. Can we just say that? You know, negativity stinks. And want to do it differently. So how is this related to evangelism? Um, We don't want to throw stumbling blocks in the way of the lost. One of the things that I noticed... um, You know, if you want to see, take your spiritual temperature, just look at how you are in rush hour traffic. Yeah. And I've been pretty ugly in rush hour traffic. And so um, one of the things that I've been doing to counteract, this is, Mark has his... um, don't take the last pizza, pizza, piece of pizza. That's his growing edge, or was, because he's so much more further along now. Um, but my growing edge has been, let that person cut in front of you. There's just something about those eight feet. You know, I guarded it ferociously. And you are not getting in here. You know how the person is speeding up, so you kind of speed up. It's ugly, but this is true confessions. (laughs) But one of my applications of this is on the freeway, I will let that person move in front of me. And it's been a process, um, but I can... I can I can report that there is positive change, and maybe there's even hope for me in this area. Um, there's a reason why I didn't have Jesus bumper stickers on my car. <laughs> so one of the one of the fruits um, of being intentional about getting negativity out of my life was I'm beginning to hear God more clearly, especially as it relates to people in my workplace. And the other nice thing about it is it's a lot easier to share the Lord with somebody or have a spiritual conversation with somebody if you're not a jerk. (laughs) So just, you know, they said I was wise, so that was the price of admission right there, that one (laughs) statement. So what is the process to change? Um, For me, it has been becoming very intentional about patrolling my thoughts. Take every thought captive, as it says in 2 Corinthians 10.5. And really, um, negativity, it will start with a thought. Isn't that true? I mean, you don't... It doesn't just automatically come out of your mouth. There's a thought that precedes that. So we're destroying speculations and every lofty thing raised up against the knowledge of God, and we are taking every thought captive to the obedience of Christ. Now that right there, that is a discipline. You aren't going to um, automatically do that. It's just, it's like any skill that you're learning, driving a car or anything else. It takes practice. 
And so you need to give yourself a lot of grace. But um, also I wanted to mention that thoughts will come from three sources. And you're not responsible for the initial thought. Because the thoughts can come from God, they can come from yourself, or they can come from the enemy. You're not responsible for the thought, but you are responsible for what you do with it. So I see it as becoming an umpire. If a thought isn't kind or helpful, what do you do? You say, you're out! And, and if you need to be dramatic with it and have fun with it, you know, go for it. it can, learning new things can have its little fun parts, too. Um, Our thoughts dictate our emotions, and so take charge of the thought before it takes charge of you. Um, A good, so how do I kind of know what's what's the measurement of a good thought? I like Philippians 4.8, and many of you would have that one. Wow, boom, there it is. Whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is good repute, If there's any excellence and anything worthy of praise, dwell on these things. So that's um, just a good way to measure if a thought is a good thought or not. And then renewing your mind, Romans 12, 2. Um, Because the word of God actually can transform our thinking. It's transformative. And you become kind of what you dwell on. Could we get Romans 12 too? There it is. And don't be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect um, will of God. Also, um, cultivate a practice of blessing people and not cursing them with your words. And it's helpful because you're going to have the thought first. So, you know, if you need to cultivate a habit of doing this, you know, whatever works. The thoughts might take time, and fortunately nobody except the Lord sees the thoughts, but we can take some control of what actually slips out of our mouth. And here's a big one. Pray for and don't speak against people. And in our current political environment, this is a good challenge. Um, Because nowhere does it say criticize your leaders. It says pray for your leaders. And it's okay to disagree, but disagree in a respective manner and don't assassinate somebody's character. Because we don't really know You know, truly, we don't know all of the facts of why things are the way they are. So we want to pray for people and be a blessing. Um, Lastly, I would say a great challenge is to go on a negativity fast. I would love to see us add, I mean, this is a fast that you could do, you know, 24-7, seven days a week kind of thing. And... It will really be a blessing. And before, um, I was thinking about this message, and then after I had the idea for this message, I learned that 
there's actually a negativity fast that's been called over the state of California. And the purpose of the fast is to be able to open the heavens over California. Now, what does that mean? An open heaven or opening the heavens means that you are being like a spiritual hotspot. It's a place where heaven can freely come to earth. And when we get rid of negativity, we make it so much easier for blessings to flow from heaven to earth. We're we're getting ourselves out of the way. This fast started on March 1st, and it goes through April 9th, which is the anniversary of the Azusa Street Revival. And it is being led by three um, prophetic men. Um, I don't remember all of them. Doug Addison is one of them. Um, who's the Azusa Street guy that did the stadium? Lou Engel. Lou Engel is the other one. And then there's one other person. And they represent um, Northern Central and Southern California. So it's not too late to jump into that. Um, Here's a maybe a hard suggestion for some. Um, Going on a negativity fast may mean um, turning off some talk radio. Ouch. Let's look at Proverbs 22, 24, and 25. Oh, wow. Boing. (laughs) Don't associate with a man given to anger or go with a hot-tempered man or you will learn his ways and find a snare for yourself. This isn't true of all talk radio, but if there's a spirit that's really critical and angry, you probably don't want to be listening to that because that's going to influence you and you're going to become kind of like that. And angry people, I don't know about you, we can go back to negativity stinks. (laughs) It's an odor, it's not a fragrance. And we want to be fragrant. This message is actually a good Palm Sunday message. You probably like why. Um, What better way to welcome Jesus into our community than having a mind free of negativity and judgments? Palms are actually a symbol of nobility and royalty. See? And thank you, Daryl, for this palm. And donkeys are a symbol of peace and humility. These are welcoming qualities to King Jesus. And Proverbs 22.11 says, One who loves a pure heart and speaks and thinks. I'm going to throw in thanks. I think God is okay with me adding to his word right there. Um, speaks and thinks with grace will have the king for a friend. And I believe that we are a house known as his friend. So I hope some of this has been helpful, and I hope as a community that, I hope that this is a message that gets into the DNA of our community, that we would become a people who speak with grace, and that there's nothing in our individual lives or our corporate lives that would shut anybody down from the gospel and that we would have a light that would shine so brightly that people are drawn to the Lord and come to him. So blessings on you.
Okay. That was really good. Really good. Great content. I'm convicted. It's, it's, not, as about, it's not about the food, it's about the driving. <laughs> it's as it should be. Yes, it is. Um, Josh, just before Josh leaned over to say something to me, uh, I felt the Lord give an application for your message. Good. What we could do now, and you ended perfectly. Congratulations, you're the first person to speak here who's ended on time, or, or even been early. Um, but uh, the, the application that came into my mind was that, first of all, we should never hear a message and then walk away. You know the gospel story, Jesus' um, parable, the truth is scattered in our lives, the beaten down path, the rocky soil, the good soil. And the bird comes and attempts to take the truth away as quickly as it can. And one of the things we can do to see to it that that doesn't happen is when we've heard really good truth, like we heard this morning, we should pause and reflect on it and ask the Lord, what do you want to do with this truth now? In other words, what's the soonest thing the soonest moment, the, the, the first thing that I can do to take the truth I just heard and actually apply it into my life. And it's a, Jen, it's a passion of mine that we never have a sermon without an application. An opportunity to take the truth and do something with it that applies it to my life in obedience immediately so the bird doesn't steal it on the way home. Which is what often happens with the truth. That's good. We should never be passive about the truth. We should always embrace it and apply it as quickly as we can. And the application that, that came to me was um, we should take a moment to simply ask the Holy Spirit to reveal to us our areas of personal negativity. And he already convicted me of mine as I was sitting there. And then Josh leaned over and said, I think we have to do something with this message. We need, to, we need to do something with it. We need to have a ministry time from this message. So how about we do that? Are you up for that? Okay, let's close our eyes. And um, Jan was talking about how we hear the Lord speaking to us. And Josh said, you know, it's not in the wind or, or, or the storm uh, or the fire or the lightning. It's a still, small voice. And we can all hear his thoughts coming to us. Remember what Jan said, it's either your thought, it's the enemy's thought, or it's God's thought. God most often speaks to us through planting his thoughts in our mind, and it doesn't come with special effects to suggest this is me talking to you now. It's just a random thought, but they're often accurate and they're often from him, and we can do something with them. So let's close our eyes. And with an open heart and fearless. Because God doesn't bring up any fault unless he intends helping us with it. He doesn't criticize. He corrects. He doesn't condemn. He convicts. And it's always towards something positive. So we can, we can, we can be fairly fearless in these moments of exposing our heart to him and asking him to speak to us about the areas of growth in our lives. So let's be that way. Let's not fear it. Let's open our hearts and say, God, you're going to tell me something in a moment. 
that's important for my growth that will make my life better and my relationship with you better and all my other relationships better. So I want to hear it. So Holy Spirit, right now, for each one of us, please answer the question, what negative attitude, what negative thought pattern in my life is my greatest weakness that's really getting in the way of my real happiness and my real knowledge of you. Holy Spirit, please show me right now what are the negative thoughts that I most often grapple with? Now pay attention to what comes into your mind. If he's shown you something, just lift your hand for a moment. If he's shown you something, something's come to you, if some negativity's come to you, just raise your hand. The Lord just spoke to me, he just said, the attitude uh, you have about your spouse. The attitude you have about your boss. The attitude you have even about your children sometimes. Or yourself. Or yourself. Yeah, that's good. He's speaking now, people. He's, he's, he's pointing out these areas. Complaining that you don't have enough. Complaining that you're not being appreciated enough. Complaining that God hasn't answered all of your prayers. Holy Spirit, what is it for each one of us? Just show us what it is. So let's repent of it, alright? It's really simple. Just say to him, I'm not happy about this. I don't like what I'm doing. I know it's wrong and I, and I want to stop. But I need your help to do it. I can't stop this without your help. I need your power to, to be positive, to say no to these thoughts, to censor these thoughts, to censor these negative emotions as they rise up. Just repent. Just say, yes, I'm sorry, and God, I want to change, and I need your help. And having said that, now listen to him. Because he's going to say something to you. Father, what do you want to say in answer to us? What true thought do you want to put in our mind right now that we can take strength from? Holy Spirit, I pray you speak to us right now. What do you want to say in answer to our repentance?
What did he say? What did you hear him say in answer to your repentance? This is, this is where hope comes from. This is, this is where we come out of repentance and we hear him and, and we say, Boy, I'm glad I did that. Thank you for telling me what you just told me, Lord. I needed to hear that. Let's have just a little praise time here. What did he say to you? It's easy, just one breath at a time. That's pretty positive. What else did he say? Anybody? Behold, I make all things new. That's a genuine comfort. What else did he say? I love you. You're going to be a blessing. What else? Come on, people. This is somebody back there. <laughs> he told me to put my phone down and go outside with the kids. Amen. What else? Hmm? Humble yourself. That's what repentance is. That's what it is. What else did he say? You're my child and you reflect my glory. right here with you. Guys, get this. This thought just crossed my mind. We would not be hearing these positive things from him had we not repented. Hello? Everything we just heard is scriptural. These, These are pretty much quotes from the Bible that he just spoke to us. And we would not have heard them in this depth and in this way had we not come and said, I have a problem, you need to help me. And then, what did he say? You repent and he goes, I've been waiting for you to say that. 